You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> well, I'd like to know if I was married to a whore piece of shit. <laughs> you could just look at her license. My. Special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. <laughs> it's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. <laughs> this is why I drink. We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are, and, you know, we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice, and they go from there and then call us back later. But the key is is that they don't know all their rights or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding uh, so they can help themselves and their families the best they can. And the number is? Is 800-770-7008. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured, Brad, Sean, Bryant. everybody to yet another episode of the best of the tom bernard podcast brought to you as always by bradshaw and bryant kicking off the show this week we had a comedian double up with brian swinehart and michael q next on the best of We're back, ladies and gentlemen. We don't need music well, anymore. Whatever. <clears throat> it all works out in the end. Okay, so where, where did you want to start? You were going to tell a story. And what was the story again? Somebody was going to tell a story. And I said, oh, oh you were going to tell a story, Mike. Oh, I, I, no, I was telling you this about how uh, I, I'm, uh, next week on my podcast, i got a podcast called Teach Me I'm Stupid. And every episode. <laughs> That's nice. I mean, I'll, I'll, here's the thing. I'm the one. I'll admit I'm dumb, you know? Yeah. People I'm got a hard time way, saying man. it. I'll do it for you. I'm stupid, so teach me. Right? I feel like we're all, you know, and everybody can learn from that. Yeah, we're all we're, we're, we all can know more, right? So I'm open to always learning more, and so I have people on that can teach me stuff I'm interested in back about, right? Mm-hmm. Like I got this, uh, I got uh, I did an interview with a guy who's an FBI interrogator, and uh, he was like one of the heads of the FBI for interrogating uh, spies. So people would come over, they find out for their spy, and he would be able to get them to con- convince themselves to turn themselves in. Ooh. Right. So he wrote a book. It's a New York Times bestseller uh, called The Like Switch, in which he teaches these different techniques that he used to get people to turn themselves in. And even the small things you don't know about, these nonverbal cues we do, mm-hmm. like even when you look at somebody and you tilt your head, it's something a dog does, right? And that's just mm-hmm. all animals mm-hmm. do this because it exposes your mm-hmm. carotid artery. And in our brain, that non-verbally says, oh, you're not a threat, right? So if you're looking at somebody like yeah, that, like you know, that. or talk with your furrow, fur your brow like that. So he knows all these little tricks that they would do to literally get people to turn themselves in to go to jail for life, right? That's so why I always really? talk to everyone like this. Right. <laughs> keep <laughs> keep your poker face on. Keep your poker <laughs> exactly. face on. So I interview interesting people, right? And so I, I had him on. And next week I got a guy coming in who's a very, very famous mentalist, right? And his name is Banachek. Right? Banachek. I and, know who that is, yeah. And he, uh, he was like an advisor to Chris Angel. He's had like numerous TV shows. Uh, he's like the, one of the most respected uh, people in the world at what he does. And he's going to come and teach me how to, some tips on how, how to be a mentalist. And uh, one of the cool things he did was he had a million-dollar challenge. Going, if anyone can prove that they have any psychic abilities, right, they'll get a million dollars. And he can't disprove it because he's the only person to actually do in a scientifically controlled environment. For two weeks, he fooled uh, scientists to believe that he was actually had special powers. Hmm. And then at the end, he goes, I, I made the whole thing up. I was just fooling you guys the whole time. They could not believe it. They believed that he was actually um, lying 
to hide that he has special oh, to cover powers. It up. Because yeah. if you had special powers, you want to lie. Now you can't let it out. Yeah, but see, I look like a fool if if I don't believe you really do have the power, yeah, right? Exactly. So they had to convince themselves, oh, you definitely have the power. You yeah. just covered it up. It's like, come on, man. You know what my theory is on that stuff? Because mm-hmm. I, I, I don't believe in this ghost stuff. You know, I think I when people say that they saw a ghost, right, or we think that something like paranormal is happening, that's our proof that we're still cavemen, you know? Because well, okay. that's that caveman thing still in your brain. You have your logic, your education, but you hear a, a creak in the night and your brain first goes ghost instead of the house is settling, right? <laughs> it's proof we're still cavemen, man. <laughs> it's under. Well, no, I think, I think it's a very good take on it, to tell you the truth. Right. We need that. And I don't know. I don't. I mean, some people need it. I, you know, I grew up in a very old neighborhood, so you would think there'd be a lot of, a lot of haunted houses. I never heard of one. Right, right. You know, they were haunted by the people who actually lived there, I will tell you that, because they were psychopaths. But, <laughs> you know, other than that. Yeah, and where are all the new ghosts, okay? All these ghosts That's are always right. from 1,500 years ago or That's 500 right. years ago. What about the ghost that died in, in 1990, you mm-hmm. know? Where's the ghost of the guy that worked on Home Alone? <laughs> you know, oh, God. You heard what they're going to do with Home Alone. What are they going to remake it? They're going to remake it. Why would you do that? Yeah, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to remake it <clears> with a girl. The, the, the last person said yeah, it was a lot shorter than you, so if you level out the mic, it'll come. There you go. Oh, yeah. There, now you can Every remake, what I can't stand is they got to make it with a girl. Yep, you know? every time. Oh, yeah, no. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess if girls are the only one watching movies, then... Yeah, who's buying the tickets? But, That's what I want Yeah, exactly. exactly. So i got to add, JB, yeah. what are you doing over there? I'm going to figure this out. I have a feeling it's a phone setting somewhere. That or your case is too thick. That's probably the case. Literally. It could be the case. Mm, No. That's all right. You'll be all right. (laughs) Don't worry about a thing. It's not a big deal. JB is my my youngest brother. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Twins. Absolutely. And then I have also a black son. I'm not really his father, but I have a black son, too. Uh-huh. So it all works out in the end. You and Tevin, man. Yeah. So all I need is you two guys. And then I also have a, an old friend, black man named Philip Wise, who's the crabbiest human being I have ever met in my entire mm-hmm. life. Wouldn't have, you agree? Having dinner with Philip on t- Monday. Oh, you are? Yeah. Is he going to be crabby? Yeah, of course he is. <laughs> this well, is a great course. story. This is a great story for white people. I love this story for white people. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, a few years ago now, uh, we have the family over for Christmas Eve. Oh, so we're all there. JB's there. Philip, who's the older black man, is there. Great night. The two black guys getting in an argument. <laughs> <laughs> Different I loved it. I so how much older it over? is he than you? Along with anybody, <laughs> fifteen plus years. Oh, how much is Philip older than yeah. than JB? Oh God, he's got to be at least fifteen years older than you. Huh. I haven't seen Philip in forever. Oh, Philip said, "I love Philip. I've known Philip for fifty. No, not fifty. You're about forty-five. Years. Huh. I haven't seen Philip in forever. Oh, I, might, oh, I love Philip. I've known Philip. Bad YouTube. Bad." Oh, it's YouTube? Okay. Um, what the hell was I talking about now? Scramble. Oh, yeah, I've known Phil for 45 years, and he just, well, he used to play for the Minnesota Vikings before that, the New York Jets. He played with the Jets for seven years, and the Vikings for two years, so he and I would go running together. Now, this is 45 years ago, right? I would run as fast as I could forward, and he would run backwards. Wow. Oh like, thanks, Philip. Wow. <laughs> You're really making me look good. Well, wow. he was a defensive back, so he, you know, running back, mm. very, very important. Be very fast running backwards, right? Right, yeah. But it was embarrassing. I, let me just throw the, the fact that he was faster than me backward. I have Not a hard that, time walking forward. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I, understand. Yeah, I, understand. I trip exactly. over my own feet all the time. <laughs> oh, God, he's an amazing guy. Philip is an, an unbelievable guy. Do you have the, the audio? You know Mary Mack? You guys know the comedian Mary Mack? She's phenomenal. Yeah. Do you have the audio? Yes. Oh, if you could find that audio. Mary Mack's on this show, and Philip is in studio then. And Philip loves to talk about how racist white people are. He just loves to talk about it. He does the morning show, and he just loves it. You know, here's another thing you honkies do, which I find hilarious. You got it, Andy? I do. Here it is. Mary Mack. What did you say? The the Korean barbecue. Oh, Korean barbecue is phenomenal. Are they the ones that eat dog? What? Who's the racist now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
No, 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 we're no, 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 baby, no, 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 baby, Philip is as good as it gets, no doubt about it. Mary Mac, what? It's not, it's not racist if it's true. I mean, like I told you, my mom's from the Philippines. I go, I go, have you ever tasted dog before? She's not lying. She's like, not where I'm from, but of course they do. I'm like, see, when you're hungry, you're out in the country, yeah. Is that mostly an Eastern Hemisphere thing? Or do they eat dog in, like, Central America, parts of the United <laughs> they States? They eat them South in America. South America. I'm just wondering, man. They eat guinea pigs. Well, is his last name. I could ask him that. They do, man. <laughs> I didn't know that. See, I didn't. A uh, horse that's uh, eaten a lot in Western Europe. Yep. Did you, Correct? It was, anyway. Did you know this? I oh, heard yeah. that if you eat a goat's testicles... It's got the, it, that's a, like super Viagra. Did I'm you know not that? eating any goat's testicles. <laughs> nice try, man. <laughs> nice try, Tom. I saw your eyes light up for a second. Yeah, like, yeah okay. <laughs> you know, Tom, I, we actually one time, and I don't know where he got it, but the guy used to be on the show, the morning show, a guy named Jeff Passel, he's a news anchor, and we played in a golf tournament, and he brought a putter, and it looked like a gnarly piece of wood for the shaft for the putter, right? And he wanted to give it away. And so we have this raffle, and this guy wins it. And Pat says, I, I, you did win the putter, and here it is. But in order to, to, to bring out all the, you know, the great scoring with it and all the magic in it, you have to kiss the putter shaft. He goes, oh, no problem. And it's all laminated everything, so it's not a big deal. So the guy starts you know, kissing the, the shaft. And as he's kissing it, Basil goes, Actually, that shaft is made from a bull's penis, <laughs> which it was, by the way. Why? Wow. I don't Why know. Why would they make it out of that? Yeah, that's I ridiculous. I have no idea. There you go. Well, now you just got to plug it into cops? the board. Start playing bad boys <laughs> over there. Bad boys, bad boys. What's he going to do? Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of that kind of action. But there got to be parts of America that eat dog and horse, I would think. I mean, I'm sure somewhere. No one's announcing so. it. Though. It's not going on Facebook. It's not going on <laughs> yeah, Facebook. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't go on Facebook either. I'm not, too, I'm not too adventurous with the type of food that I eat. No. I pr- I'm pretty standard these days, but I but I do believe you know I need I need to I, anything with a face is going to give me is going to give makes me feel good. I understand. And, you know, I, That's I, a pretty I, I bold statement, though. <laughs> I will tell you this, and it's very disappointing because I do love the city of Chicago. It's a magnificent city. But there is no pizza in the world like in New York, man. It's yeah. the best pizza on earth. Oh, New Haven, Connecticut, really. Let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> there you let's go. Be let's, be, oh, let's be honest. New Haven, yeah. Connecticut. How about New Canaan? That's like rich people pizza. Yeah, same thing. But, like very, you know, just not as cool. But it's true. That Andy, my son, uh, he cannot eat pizza in Minnesota because it's too sweet. The sauce yeah. is too sweet. There's it's- like two, three pizza places in the entire state that I like. Where, but like in Florida, it's like almost all good. Oh yeah, every piece you it's, get in Florida because it's all New Yorkers that look down. Yeah, there. but it's always different like, though, because of the water down there. Yeah, you know, it's not, it's not yeah. the same quality though. Same guy, oh, no, no, no. different quality. Yeah. Well, no. yeah, if they use like if they use tap water in Florida, it's gonna Terrible. taste. It's gonna taste <laughs> like rotten eggs. Yeah. 1977. I go to New York, start doing some voiceover. We lived, we lived at 20th Street, Second Avenue for a long time. Actually, before I came back here to do that morning show you were on this morning, but. My one of my favorite things about walking around town was just Ray's Pizza, famous Ray's Pizza, original Ray's Pizza, famous original Ray's Pizza. <laughs> what? They're all named Ray's Pizza, but you know. Let's go over to Ray's One Seven Four Three. Yeah, I hear they're the best. That is good pizza, though, man. That it's it's just that's the way it is. But anyway, back to dogs and horses. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I I, I don't know. If they, I don't know if they do or we not. We actually talked nice about this like a week ago. We did about horse meat? Yeah, we talked about it on, let's see, episode 1660. And what's this episode? 1666. Oh, so it was a week Ooh, ago. Very, very satanic. satanic. 1666. Ooh. Uh, it's, it's fitting that I'm on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, the devil sign. Right. Hey, Michael, welcome to the devil sign, Joe. But, uh, you know. In the U.S., they were slaughtering horses for food as recently as 06. But apparently, 2006? Apparently they've banned it since then in the U.S. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean people don't eat it. That just means plants aren't, like, officially, you know, I producing horse meat. I see that look in your eye. 
What Jimmy's look? over there with white people. <laughs> I, saw no, I was going to say it. I thought that was going on in Mexico. Oh, Mexico, they still eat horse. Uh, Mexico is the top producer of horse meat. Wow. Yeah, they do. Why then, that? interestingly, Why there are some white countries on there. Kazakhstan, Australia is well, one of the biggest well, ones. really white people, though. <laughs> I like that. Maybe they're just really white people. See, we, <laughs> we only eat food that is, uh, like, we won't eat a cute animal. That's how it comes down to. Yep. No, no, so no dogs? No, do- no, no, no dolphins. You know, dolphins what do you mean we? Eat. What do you mean by we? I mean, like, uh, 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 Western, you know, yeah. U.S. Oh, US. You are, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's what we true. look at. If it's, if it's cute, that's true. you're saved. Adult chickens are not cute. At all. They're not. They're not. They'll take <laughs> you right out. Mm-hmm. You ever look at a tuna? It's the scariest creature there is. We chop yeah. its head right out. I, I, I have a fear of turkeys. It's fear of turkeys? Well, you should mean. have a fear of turkeys, These man. These are hideous, and they're huge, and I'm good. And they're fast and strong, <laughs> yeah. too. Yep. They're strong as hell. People don't know how strong turkeys are. Well, I mean, relatively that, speaking. It's, it's got that thin that thin neck, though, you know? Get yeah, hit with neck hand. strikes. Yeah, exactly. If, you, if you're getting, <laughs> if you're getting attacked. <laughs> look at Karate <laughs> Joe over there, man. Your brain is a brain about the size of a quarter. I always think how I defend myself against an animal attack, you know what I mean? You know? Yeah. Like, if a horse is coming at you, you got to go, you know, both to the sides of its head. You get those eyes to the side, mm-hmm. you know, or a cow, you know, you get them from the angle. Okay, you got to go for his eyes. You have a lot of dreams when you sleep. <laughs> That's a That's vivid. You know what's one thing I love about doing this show is when new people come in, like the way I've talked about Philip and, and JB and all this stuff. The look in your eyes, like, it's like an old white guy talking like that. <laughs> Which I've always been in a situation that I, to me, uh, Better, worse, whatever. Everybody's the same until you prove to me you're an asshole, and then after that, I don't want anything to do with you anyway. Well, it depends. I mean, I, you don't got, care about I mean, I, 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 have you been to South Florida? Not everyone's the same, you know. Actually, <laughs> actually, we uh, spend a lot of time in South Florida. Yeah, uh-huh. we do. Men, you're right. <laughs> I had a guy, as a matter of fact, we'll show. And Andy, you will not name him either because I know you know who it is. We're playing golf one time. We get paired up, and this guy is from Alabama originally, right? As soon as you say Alabama, you I know think something exactly. racist is going to come out. Well, I think I've heard the story before, to be honest. Yeah. he. Uh, it was a draw situation, so he draws a black guy as a partner. The entire four hours, he referred to him as the big end. The whole Get four hours. Here, no just because he could? And, and the black guy's like 6'4", probably about 270. <laughs> and he's looking at me like... <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. I, it's well, like he 2015. Also, we wow. also, I mean, he called he called us Yankees. Because yeah, he called we, it, yeah, he didn't like us because we were The Yankees. fact that we yeah. had, you know, started the war of northern aggression. <laughs> Unironically. <laughs> I'm not joking. It's always our fault. You know, so, what, you know what, though? I play the South a lot, and i got to tell you, you play Huntsville, Alabama, and that's one of the best crowds. But it's, it's city to city but, down there. It's rocket, a lot of rocket engineering there. Yeah, NASA has a yeah. headquarters mm-hmm. down yeah. there now, so yeah. there's scientists down there. And the thing is, they have a sense of humor about themselves, right? Good. They got a sense of humor, but then you go to San Francisco, and no, every word out of your mouth no. is, I'm offended, I'm yeah, offended. No, no, I'd no. rather have it the real way, you know? I agree. I'll go down to the South, okay, and everyone's just straight up about their feelings, right? Because then you go to you go yeah. to San Francisco, they feel the same way, and they just close the door. <laughs> now let's say what we were really <laughs> thinking. <it. laughs> yeah, I like it. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. That was Michael Q and Brian Swinehart in Turkey's Arm, to be feared, to be sure. Coming up next with Christopher Garitano talking a little conspiracy theories, which are pretty getting easier to be believed these days. Next on the best of You know who was the weekend nighttime disc jockey at KCLD back in the day? Who's that? No, somebody you know though. I know lots of people. The Pat <laughs> was the was the uh, the overnight person on weekends at KCLD in St. Cloud. Drove up there every lived in Maple Grove. Drove up there every weekend and drove back every, the next morning. Dave Mordahl. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no. Dave Mordahl. Initials are KB. K 
Catherine. You got Brandt. it. Really? Really? Catherine was the overnight person at KCLD. I no wow. idea. Weekends. Wow. I didn't yep. know that. Yeah. That was before you guys were born. I guess. Well, it could, well, could have been before you were born. You were a little kid, though. She got. She went that there for the before? weekend. No, she would go up and come back. It's oh, only, from up there, it's only about a. It was before mile we drive. were born. Oh yeah, that's it's in her LinkedIn oh. profile. Wow, eighty-two <laughs> to eighty-four. It yeah. is in her. Yep. Oh, so, so it was you before like, you were. Did born. you like yeah. Bigfoot her career, and she could be like huge right now? But yes, instead. he totally did. She used to write <laughs> bits. She used to write bits for Actually, KQ. She would. She, she, when I started at KQ, she was a producer there and couldn't mm-hmm. stand the people, so she quit. <laughs> Okay. Because of you. He said she should be barefoot and pregnant, and that was the end of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I go for big with Catherine. Have you met Catherine? No, that's why it was a good joke. <laughs> that's not happening. Yet. So, yeah, she was, so she was up there, 82, 83, 84, so it was before Andy was even born. Yeah. So I wasn't on the radio then. She Yeah, she wouldn't have gone doing, to St. Cloud with two little kids at home no, for her. overnight. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. But I didn't even realize that. That was, God, that was that long ago, 82? Seems like yes. She was good on the air, too. She was. She was very good. But, yeah, she was a writer and producer on the KQ Morning Show on the first really? day. Really? Well, she, she does some podcast work, I heard. I was going to say, no. you can tune in. Whenever she feels like it. She's actually very good on the podcast. Whenever she feels like it, she does. Andy's trying to find clips. I don't think any exists. Oh, they got to be clips of Catherine on KCLD. I bet you don't think so. It would be funny if she like uses a really fake voice. That was like saying That was way free computer though. Catherine using the throat voice. They would have to have kept all those giant reels all this time and I doubt they did. I had old Catherine Bray up here out there in St. Cloud Overnight? She probably was just like, no one's listening. No. Why am I even here. What a nice uh, overnight audience at KCLD. Absolutely. So, I, yeah, I was just doing voiceover then. I, didn't, I wasn't even in radio back then. So. Voiceover. You know what is really annoying? What? The whole voiceover and like commercial world now. It's celebrities that already have so much flipping money. Well, they ruined the business. So yeah, they it's right? like Dennis Quaid is doing e-surance I know, it's commercials. Like, what, what it's like Dennis need? Quaid, <laughs> really? Do you know what? A, you know what? A, I don't think you need any more money, Dennis what, Quaid. Do you know what a syndicated commercial pays? A lot. Nothing Jillian. anymore. Millions and millions of dollars. Although, for Dennis Quaid. Yeah. you mean national? I know, but he doesn't syndicated. need. Yeah, syndicated. But he doesn't need any more money. No, he doesn't. Millions and millions. Yeah, he doesn't need any more money. Is what I'm but saying. But the, 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 the industry now only takes A-listers. That's correct. Or nobodies. But that's what I'm so saying. So they can pay them three thousand dollars and go bye bye. That's like exactly my cousin right. did a Candy Crush commercial. He got four grand. A Candy Crush. Bye bye. And that's that's they take nobodies or it's a listers. I know, which is really dumb because it's like if somebody if it was like me, I want to do voiceover. No, because you're it's, you, it's either Lady Gaga or yeah, you. It's over. Yeah. It's, well, to be me, fair, he looks really old. So Dennis Quaid. Yeah. All of a sudden. He He's just fine. looks super old. <laughs> so a friend of mine was that's their the, nanny. That's if I uh, most likely Caritano, I'd be getting really pissed off about now because he's been on the hold now oh, for about geez. two minutes. Oh, wow. Well. Oh, but you I, guys uh, didn't stop summering. Nobody said we had a guest. I don't, yeah. Nobody. There was no light on. There no. was no way. Nobody said there was no. Is there a light that's supposed to be on? Acknowledgement. Christopher, how are you? Apparently there's supposed to be a light on. I didn't know that. I'm doing well. How are you? Can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfectly. How about on your end? Okay. Uh, I can hear you pretty good. Magnificent. Strange World award-winning independent filmmaker Christopher Garitano. Is that how you say your last name, I hope? Yes, it is. Marvelous. Christopher Garitano dives into America's scariest conspiracy theories and bewildering mysteries. Now, I want to stop right there. Scariest conspiracy theories. They're all pretty scary to me, I'll tell you that, Christopher. Uh, what? Likewise. I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in regard to scary conspiracies, you know, there was one that I, I started with uh, over a decade ago, and it was this legend uh, surrounding the Camp Hero Air Force Station in Montauk, New York. And I didn't I didn't believe anything that was said at first. I just thought it would be interesting to interview these elderly men uh, telling tall tales. And then um, as I went forward, I learned about things like Holmesburg Prison and MK Ultra and all these other things that were actually proven to be true and it you know shifted my paradigm how I saw things uh, my whole perspective changed on this stuff you know a lot of this stuff I you know originally thought was just fun to talk about you know uh, speculate if it was true or not it was the suspense of that 
But then when I started to realize, you know, some of this stuff really is true, I, uh, that was the thing that ignited my, um, you know, as an adult exploring these things, that ignited my interest. It was the fact that these things could be true. It changes your whole perspective on uh, on your daily life. Yeah, I would imagine that. So the fact that you found out they could be true, not that they necessarily were, but they could be true. Sure. Well, that they could be true. It's the journey. I think a right, lot of right. um, a, a lot of investigations in terms of entertainment go wrong sometimes because it's always like, okay, can we find evidence? Yeah, I, I mean that that part of that journey is important, and you do want to find some kind of evidence. But I think what's exciting for the audience a lot of the time is is the journey getting there, uh, and if we can make that interesting, and we can try to you know explore tangible things, historical fact coupled with, you know, how wild these mysteries can be. Uh, you know, I, we have eight episodes of this show, and um, I do touch upon Camp Hero in the first one, but then, you know, towards the end of the episode, we actually start exploring some technology that was developed that's almost tantamount to the stuff in the legend. So it's just showing you, well, you know, if I can't prove this legend, there is something that's very similar that we can look at, that we can experiment with, and a lot of people aren't aware of this stuff. Because it's got well, it's gotten more and more popular in the last what five to ten years, something like that. It's it's really blown up a lot, hasn't it? In regard to conspiratorial stuff, well, in regard to people's interest in it, in people's yeah, uh, yeah, oh yeah, because yeah. you know, we're, I, I think yeah, conspiracies. I think the one that before it really got wild, like to where it is now, the one that people were truly interested in was the Kennedy assassination, right? Uh, you know, I mean, way back when Oliver Stone made JFK and even before that. But I think when, when Stone made JFK, because it mainly focused on the conspiracy, mm-hmm. that's when that, I think, idea solidified in, in, in people's interest. Like, usually it was, you know, you know, several of the basic food groups of the paranormal that people would be interested yeah. in, whether it be cryptozoology or hauntings or whatever, UFOs. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I think it got popular after JFK. So do you start with places that you already believe there's evidence for, or is any of it going into places to decide whether or not it exists or whether or not there's truth to it? I, I think we start with a series of factual events that surround a mysterious case. And in other words, let's say, yeah, I, think, I believe it's our uh, second episode or our fourth episode. Uh, I think it's been switched, but the James Dean uh, crash, the mystery surrounding that. There's, there are a series of factual events that happened in that that you can't deny. And the reason behind it is what we explore. I can't say exactly why it happened. We just know that he was in a crash that there were people that experienced things with parts of that car after the crash. Other people died. Yeah. So it was. It, it, it's an odd series of events that are very curious, sparks the imagination. It's fun to explore, but at the same time, I think we learned something about... Um, other planes of existence, perhaps, you know, uh, you know, this is, these are the things we explore in the show, fears of technology, fears of the future. We shift gears every episode, and that was always the idea, you know, we wanted to have a variety, so it's never the, it's never this repetitive thing every episode. We always try and change the mystery or change the interest. We have an episode about artificial intelligence. You know, we talk to scientists, we talk to engineers, we talk to legit people, so it's a very different type of show. Cool. I love the whole idea of conspiracy, conspiracy theories. One thing that's been brought up quite often recently is that uh, the United States of America is hiding aliens in Area 51. And, and then you look at other things the government does and completely screws them up, but they're really good at hiding aliens. I'm like, what? You know? I, yeah, I, I, you know, okay, so in that, I, and I've thought about that, of course. I mean, look, we're living... You know, on a rock in the middle of space, essentially, and uh, the gr- the most brilliant minds confirm that we have an infinite amount of galaxies with an infinite amount of solar systems, billions and billions of them. Uh, so probability tells us there is another Earth-like planet or another planet that that can sustain or has sustained life and perhaps intelligent life. So I start there. Now, did they come here? Ah, there's some things that could support that mm-hmm. and i think that's what people are celebrating when they explore these mysteries but i frankly i think a lot of people enjoy the the mystery behind it if we sure. revealed tomorrow that we had neighbors 
and then we started communicating with them, it wouldn't be as exciting anymore. I mean, I think there would be a new level of excitement because now we're discovering this whole new thing about us and about the universe. But um, but we wouldn't. I think the the mystery that we have now is the wonder and these shows and stuff like that would would dissipate. They would go away. It would be a thing of the past. Wouldn't exist anymore. No, so I think a lot of people truly enjoy the fact that these things are hidden, even though they might not admit it. I think, that, well, that's how I am, and I know that's how I am. I would rather, as far as Area 51 is concerned and that whole idea, I'd rather we never find out. Because it's, as you said, it's much more interesting and, and semi-exciting because I don't know. I kind of like not knowing some things. Likewise. Yeah, even with the uh, the whole Bigfoot thing, I yeah, think it should be yeah. kept a mystery <laughs> if it does exist. Bigfoot's and, you know, real. in both cases... <laughs> Yeah, even in the case of UFOs, you have a lot of legit, credible people over the years that claim they've encountered these odd craft. You know, a lot of astrophysicists, astronauts, scientists, you know, military guys. It's not just, you know, people who uh, were standing in their backyard. However, a lot of those people are credible, too. My favorite, and I like to talk about this quite often, Jonathan Winters, the great comedian, right? Yes. Jonathan Winters comes out on The Tonight Show, and he's pretending to be a ufologist. or you know, He's a, he's a believer in, in, in alien beings and all the rest of it. And he walks out on stage, and one of the guys asks him, so when did you first see the aliens? And Jonathan Winters said, well, I was taking the beer cans out to the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I love that joke. I- and, and that's the thing. When you're exploring these <laughs> mysteries, you do meet a lot of colorful people across, oh, yeah. you know, along the way. Uh, and I love hearing their stories. And that's how it started for me, even making uh, the Montauk Chronicles documentary way back. It yeah. was, um, that was, that's what it was about. I wanted to see these old guys tell me some, you know, I want to hear, I want to hear their stories. I want to hear this 80 year old man tell me a story of uh, aliens and underground bases. And, you know, it was just enjoyable. But then it's like, as I looked into, the facts surrounding other cases it was shocking uh because i didn't know programs like mk ultra and um and Holmesburg prison existed so then you wonder is this guy telling me the truth mm-hmm. and that's that's uh that that's what kept me going all this time i think it's wonderful i i one thing i don't understand christopher we're talking to christopher garitano uh, award-winning independent filmmaker christopher garitano dives into america's scariest conspiracy theories and bewildering mysteries Strange World premieres this Sunday at 9 o'clock Central Time, uh, 10 o'clock Eastern Time on Travel Channel, which is doing a great job, by the way. Travel Channel is doing a really oh. nice job. Yeah, they are. They, they have some great programs coming up, and um, the support they gave us and encouragement, uh, you know, with something fresh. It's very new. It's a new format. I mean, yeah. I, I loved Leonard Nimoy's In Search Of, you know, watching reruns yeah. growing yep. up. Yep. and. Um, <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack, and I felt like a lot of the modern programming lost that mystery, and it was all kind of like a bunch of guys running around a house looking for right. devices, which is fine and all, and I know a lot of people love that, but I think we we missed the atmosphere. That that needs to come back, and I feel like we brought that back with Strange World. I think it's true. Why do you think it is, Christopher, that people want to believe that there are human beings, but inside that outer human shell is a lizard or a reptile. Why is it always a reptile? I don't get that. <laughs> well, I've heard a lot about this, almost too much. And um, <laughs> okay. I, I, I can't tell you that I, I, I believe any of that or even want to. But I think people look back at old texts and old literature and... Um, you know, they start to fill in the blanks. And yeah. sometimes I think yeah. they want to believe that, you know, fantasy is reality. And in many cases, it is. So it's it, it, it's an odd situation. It's like we have a mixture of conjecture, lies, and then some very odd truth. And I suppose the, uh, the excitement is, you know, the exciting part of this is to kind of find out what is true. And a lot of the times, the truth is stranger than any of these other things. I love this paragraph in the descriptor. Over the course of eight hour-long episodes, Garitano will immerse himself in the world of the weird and bizarre, exploring everything from the alleged curse of James Dean's death car, Little Bastard, to the extraordinary and unexplained disappearances on California's Mount Shasta, to the legend of Polybius. Yes, Polybius. A 1980s arcade game supposedly created as a mind control experiment gone among. I don't know. Andy, you know about this? I do. Oh, so I want to hear you and Christopher talk about this. This is fascinating. (laughs) 
So, okay, <laughs> the legend of Polybius surfaced in Portland, Oregon in the early 80s, and the idea was that some odd secret government faction or some other organization was covertly planting uh, mind control devices in an undeveloped or untrademarked video game called Polybius, and that it was placed in these arcades. Kids would play them. It would mess with their minds and uh, induce horrible dreams, seizures, make them angry. And they say, or legend says, that this was an early test phase for a mass mind control project that eventually would be implemented into home gaming systems. And uh, what we explored in the episode, I think, and what we found that's factual is even much more terrifying than the legend, in my opinion. I think it's wonderful. Ladies and gentlemen, Christopher Garitano, Sunday, August 11th, 9 o'clock Central, 10 o'clock Eastern Time on Travel Channel. Great stuff, Christopher. I'll be watching. I guarantee I love this stuff. Thank you so much. It's great talking to you, sir. Have a great day. Likewise. Thank you. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Christopher Garitano on the best of. Coming up next, closing out the show. We're opening up the vault. All the way back to episode 1365 with former Minnesota Governor Tim Pawlenty. Next. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Andy's here. Catherine and Alex are in Phoenix visiting um, Catherine's parents. Mike Molina is in New York visiting his brother. But our very special guest today, and I try to explain to people that I knew you before you were governor. The first, the first two times, as a matter of fact. What, what was the what was the year you got elected? First elected, two thousand two. Two thousand two. So you served from two thousand two to two thousand ten. That's right. Yeah, technically January of 2011, January 2003 and 2011. But are you saying, Tom, with all these people gone, that there just is no one else? So it's me. No, that's not. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, is that they constantly take these trips, and Andy and I get stuck with all the work. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, you know, if you if you said that with Catherine here, there could be consequences. But you're a well, big talker now that she's yeah, in Phoenix guy. and probably not listening. <laughs> really tough guy. Yeah. That's the whole deal. Speaking of wives, how's your lovely wife? She's great. As, although on the theme you were talking about, she's up north at her cabin with our dog, and uh, I'm doing. You have other a cabin? Stuff. Yeah. Everyone in Minnesota has a Got cabin. A well, almost. Uh, we're the only ones who don't have a cabin. Yeah. We used to have a farm, but we sold the farm. But you live in a place like a cabin. You have a lake, and you have some nice outdoor foliage, and yard, and trees, and grass, and all kinds of good stuff. Catherine and I have a little battle going because she wants to sell the house. She actually put the house on the market, but I really don't want to sell it. What's the issue? What's the divide? The div- it's it's just way too big. Yeah, she said. I mean, and it is the house is is far too big for two people to live in, but it's the last place that our kids lived with us. It's the last house that my mother visited before she died. I have a lot of you know a lot of personal attachment to that house. There's a powerful sense of home. I mean, people. Yeah. You know, that's a big psychological and you know, mem- walk down memory lane. So it's hard to let go. So the good thing, the good news for me is the not the not good news for her, but the good news for me is that that uh, type of house, those houses are not moving very quickly because uh, your your very close friend Donald Trump uh, included property taxes uh, or excluded property taxes from the federal return. So all state and local taxes. So if you live in a high tax state like Minnesota, it's not just property taxes. It's you used to get to be able to deduct your state taxes against your federal income tax, and Can't that's that no longer the case. Uh, over ten thousand. There's a ten thousand dollar cap on it. So no state, you, you cannot deduct your state tax. So did he do this just to get back at Los Angeles and New York? <laughs> well, there's some conspiracy theorists who say it was just trying to get at the blue states with high taxes. But, yeah. um, you know, it, it does disproportionately affect them. Let's be honest about it. In Minnesota, we got high marginal income tax rates, yep. high property taxes, high this tax, high that tax. And, you know, a lot of people have looked at that and said, eh, you know, that's a one more kind of boulder in the sack that's getting kind of heavy for me here in Minnesota. Yeah, so what, what are we going to do about that whole situation? It's a situation where 
I, I guess if you can't write off your property taxes, you can't write off what other taxes did you mention? Anything. So the, anything that they call it SALT, Tom, which is an acronym for state, uh, local, whatever, you know, taxes. But so it used to be you could deduct all your state and local taxes from your federal income tax. Mm-hmm. And now you add that all up and you can take a deduction only up to 10000 So All of it added together? together can only be $10,000 deduction. Everything over that, it's not deductible anymore. So what are, what are high-tax state, states like Minnesota? Look, well, they tried to do – one thing they tried to do is create uh, – and there's a battle about this – is they say, all right, local units would say you can give voluntarily to a foundation or a charity that would go to local type government-type services, mm-hmm. but that's been called an illegal question. Anyhow, there's nothing that they're going to do about it right now, and so you're stuck, I'm afraid to tell you, about, on that particular point. Why did he do that? I just don't understand why he wanted to affect all people across the board like that. It makes no well, sense. I, I don't know what he was thinking, but I do know that there are some people who just came out and said what you said a minute ago, which is we're going to discourage or teach a lesson to high-tax places, and we're going to create a, a motivation for people to either demand better government, more efficient government, mm-hmm. lower taxes, or in a worse case, I suppose they have the option to move. Why is Minnesota such a high-tax state? What? And uh, We're not Chicago. We're not Los Angeles. We're not New York. We like to think we are, but we're not. Well, Minnesota has a long tradition of really robust government services, and many of that, many of those are important and contribute to our quality of life. But the fact of the yeah. matter, Tom, is uh, by any measure, any measure, Minnesota is one of the top tax states in the country. For the a country. brief period of time, when I was yes. governor, I got us out of the top ten, and now we're back to you know third, third or fourth. But uh, we got a big appetite here, you know, in my view, too much of an appetite for government, government services, and it's inefficient. A lot of it is. It is, absolutely. We have a caller, Andy. Yes, we have Magoo. Magoo, hold on one second, because I have one other question. I, here's what I understand. And I, look, the guy's going after you, so I get to go after him. Uh, I'm not a fan of Mark Dayton. I never have been a fan of Mark Dayton. He says outrageous things. Uh, he takes sides on issues he has no business taking sides on, such things like crime, things like that. Um, how can he talk about how wonderful everything? Well, all his money's sitting in a bank in South Dakota. <laughs> Why do people put up with that? I don't know if that's ever been proven, but I guess there's been allegations that his family money's in a trust in South Dakota. But, but the, I, um, this election for me, you know, is coming up is not about Mark Dayton. It's no, about about no, the future. But, but it's just a different view of the world. You know, look, they got a view of the world on the the blue team. I'll call ours the red team. You know, mm-hmm. uh, not, not the, the, you're blue or red. But the point is, if, if you're Mark Dayton and folks who believe in his view of the world, it is. Government is sort of the ticket to a better life for people, and no. and uh, more of it is better in his view. And unfortunately, uh, particularly when it's growing faster than the private economy, I just don't agree with that. I think there's a better way to right. do these things through the much of it through the private economy and individual initiative and responsibility. Why doesn't the average person believe that? Well, we got a we got a lot of issues, Tom. But I would say um, one issue is just this. In today's economy, when I grew up in South St. Paul, you grew up in, in uh, northern Minneapolis. Back in the day, if you missed the educational rung for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you could still go down, in my case, to the South St. Paul stockyards, my dad, my grandparents, and you could get what my dad called a strong back job. And you yeah, could make a living yeah. for you and your family. Right. And now, if you don't have an education or skill, you get kicked to the curb. And once you get kicked to the curb, your options get pretty limited. And so then you start thinking about, well, if I can't get a good paying job because of my lack of skills or education, then I want more stuff from the government. And the call comes for more government health care, more government housing, more government transportation, government food. And that stuff, that that percent uh, of that demand is growing rapidly. And so my view is just one of the things we need to do is we got to get more people more educated and more skilled. It doesn't have to be a college degree. There's great skilled trades and lots of other ways you can do this. Connected to the private economy, because if they don't, if we don't do that, mm-hmm. we just got more and more people looking to the government to take care of. But I don't really understand. Why don't we look around the world and see how socialism worked in Venezuela? How things? How are things right now in in England? England has huge problems because they're on the big giveaway program, uh, the healthcare and everything else. People can't get surgery. Very serious surgeries are put off months and months and months because it the system doesn't work. Yeah, and there's no um, consequences and incentives for 
either good or bad behavior because in yeah. government, you know, the average is okay. And, and that's, not, that's not how the world works. It's unbelievable. Oh, by the way, in the third segment, because you're going to stay all like oh, a quarter hour. Whatever you need, sir. Whatever you need. Um, I want you to interview somebody coming up in about 10 minutes. I want to see if you have good interviewing skills. All right. I'm okay. ready. I don't know who it is, but I'll be ready. Magoo's joining us. Magoo, how are you? I'm fabulous. Is this Teapot, the 39th governor of the great state of Minnesota? You got it, Magoo. Yeah, Tommy. Oh, my yes, father sir. thought he's the cat's meow. You know, you know what his father was? Well, who? Whose father? Teapaws? Tim. Yeah. I yes, I do know this. Why? Why? How do you know this? I don't know. My father told me that his father was a truck driver, and I'm a truck driver, but yeah. Yeah, well, we should so, point out that Magoo is an over-the-road truck driver. He calls in all the time. That's awesome. Yeah. Magoo, yeah. that's right. My dad was a truck driver, and he got promoted at the end of his career to be a dispatcher, and that was a big promotion for our family. But he, for much of his life, he was a Teamster Local 120 truck driver. God. Yep, that's what uh, a lot of us, I don't know if they'll take me in the office. I probably just stay out here on the road where it's safer. They don't want me on the phone. <laughs> no, you uh, might be right. Uh, you, you had a, uh, a great inclusion on uh, the North Star Commuter uh, Railway, right? I, I did support that, you bet. Yeah. Right, but you didn't, you left before it was completed, right? Same with Target Field? No, I, well, I signed the bill to support Target Field or put it into law, um, but it wasn't built by the time. I'm trying to think. It may have been, actually been built. I think I may have been there for the opening. I can't remember the you timing, might, but in any event, I supported right. uh, Target Field. Right. Um, no, I signed it. I'm sorry. I, I signed the bill in the Metrodome, and then they built it afterwards, I think is the way it went. Okay. Yeah, I, that, that, that was great things you did for the state of Minnesota, and I thank you for that. Um, I, I have a I have a question. I have been tickled pink since you uh, announced that you're going to be running again, but I get in a lot of arguments. Um, and most of the arguments are from my friends that are coming back at me are that you balanced the budget, but you did it on the back of the teachers. If you could elaborate a little more on on statements like that sure. that I'm hearing. Um, yeah, I'd be happy to do it, Magoo. Yeah, happy to do it. What, what they're referring to is something called the school payment shift. And so schools mm-hmm. get two big payments from the state per year, one in the spring, one in the fall. And uh-huh. uh, a portion of those payments uh, we shifted from the spring to the fall. So they didn't lose any money. There was just a few-month delay in getting their money. So the people who look back at that and say, that was a cut to the schools. If you go back and look at the actual effect on the schools, it, the sky wasn't falling. It wasn't dramatic. And by the way, every governor facing tough economic times dating back to Al Qui has done the same mm-hmm. thing. So it's not, it wasn't even an unusual maneuver. Really? Right. Yeah. They've all done. So, it's a, yeah. so it's false statements when, when people are saying that thousands of teachers lost their jobs because you signed that. No, I don't think that's accurate. You know, they'll, they'll – school districts – shrink or grow based on enrollment and uh, that school shift shifting a little bit of the payment money from the spring to the fall did not by itself cause thousands or tens of thousands of teachers to lose their jobs that's not accurate and and just because i want to argue on your behalf what is that act called so i can uh look it up and read up oh it's called a school payment shift and so again the state has a projected budget deficit and every governor again uh when, when Al Qui left Perpich a deficit, when uh, Perpich left Carlson a deficit, when Ventura left me a deficit, every governor who's faced a deficit or at least a projected deficit has done the same thing or similar. In fact, Governor Dayton did it even bigger than I did. Well, why right, is it? But, but your, 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 your budgets, I mean, the state was balanced. Well, it has to be. So what they're talking about, Magoo, is this. If, under Minnesota law, unlike the federal government, you actually have to balance your budget every budget cycle. In the law does not require you to, or excuse me, does not allow you to have a imbalanced budget. So we balance the budget every budget cycle, every time. And what they're talking about is when I left office, and of course we had a near recession, depression uh, in 2008 and beyond, 
Uh, there was a projected budget deficit for the two years after I left office. But that assumes a bunch of spending uh, increases that I would have never agreed to. I mean, there was this, so it's called forecasted spending, but I would never have agreed to the ingredients, if you will, of that deficit had I been governor. In fact, Governor Dayton went on to solve it without raising taxes. He, and he did a school shift, by the way, a big one. I know. It, it, it's really hard in politics to uh, make a decisive uh decision on anything because this group is spinning it towards uh their beliefs and this group is spinning stuff towards their yeah it's really beliefs. complicated and most people can't follow but just tell your friends it is illegal in minnesota to have a budget deficit and the budget was balanced every has, has been balanced every budget period in all of minnesota history and always will because our state law and constitution requires it there's no such thing as an actual budget deficit all right. Well, thank you so much. You and it was it. such an honor to speak to you. And I don't know if you want to tell everybody. You can keep it on the down low. But you got my gorge board. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that means a lot to me. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye, you. Tommy. Thanks, Magoo. Always nice to hear from you. Um, didn't the Teamsters Union really stick it to the Teamsters? Uh, their, their retirement benefits really dwindled from what I understand. Well, there's a lot of pension problems, Tom, with, yeah, the, with unions yeah. generally, and public unions, private unions, and so uh, if you go back and look, I don't want to um, go back too far, but if you go back to the Jimmy Hoffa era and some of the others, that's going back. there was some uh, allegations that there was misappropriation of pension monies. Now, it wasn't the only reason that some of the pensions went bad, but it's one of the reasons that there was mischief and maybe, yeah. uh, to be put it kindly, unwise use of some of the pension money that helped implode some of the uh, right. pension funds. And by the way, when pri- private pensions go implode, taxpayers can be held on the uh, hook for it because there, there's a guarantee in, under certain circumstances by the federal government. So hopefully after after Insag, the union will be fine. That's where all my dough is. <laughs> Doing all those commercials all those <laughs> you got, years. You get the card. See if I'll, Yeah, well, we'll, yeah. See it, we'll see how it works out. And, uh, oh, Andy's answering the phone. Gregory Wrightstone is calling. It should be pretty interesting. Oh, excellent. excellent. Um, Gregory Wrightstone, uh, our booker does a really, really good job on this show because I never know in advance who's going to be on the show. Like, it was only by accident that the fact that I had called you to talk to you about, you know, this, that, and the other thing, and that you mentioned me, you were coming on because nobody ever tells me who's going to be on. So what's the thinking behind that? You're better when you're fresh, when you're, uh, surprised, just kind of doing it from the cuff. Yeah, it's a real honest reaction to everything. There was something this morning that, oh, as a matter of fact, uh, I stayed up and watched the uh, watched the Twins game last night, but I only stayed up till the sixth inning. There was no score in, in the game. And I'm not, I said, well, I just I can't stay up until 10 o'clock at night and blah, blah, blah. So I get up, and I don't do any show prep, or I don't do any of that. I just have an honest reaction to whatever appears on the screen. I don't even bring the news up on my own screen. Somebody else does that. So I saw that the Twins won the game 2-1, to one, and that was very nice. I did not know it went 16 innings, 16. though. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God. You want to take a break here, Andy? Uh-huh. And we'll be right back more with Tim Pawlenty. The summer marches on, as does the best of the Tom Bernard podcast on yet another episode. Brought to you, as always, by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week from Brian Swinehart, Michael Q, Christopher Garitano, and Tim Polenny. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. Ooh,